Hey guys, welcome to the Coffee Unleashed podcast where we talk about coffee, business, and everything in between. My name is Alec and I am your host. Uh, We are excited here today to be moving into episode 41, slowly creeping into uh, that 50 episode mark, which we are excited about. Thanks again so much, all of you listening, for the support over the last two years as we've uh, launched this podcast and had a lot of great guests on here. Uh, if, you, if this is the first time listening and you haven't subscribed yet, make sure and do that on uh, whatever platform you choose, whether it be Google Play, Apple Podcast app, or Spotify. Uh, as well as we would love to uh, hear from you. So feel free to uh, leave a review. Uh, It it is great for us to get that feedback as well as answer any questions you might have. And some of your questions may be on a future episode, uh, as well as if you have any recommendations for any guests that we uh, might like to feature on If you'd like to learn more about Indie Coffee Roasters specifically, uh, feel free to stop by our cafe if you are local to the Indianapolis area uh, or follow us on um, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter uh, to get all the up to date uh, secrets and news uh, that's happening over at Indie Coffee Roasters. We would love to uh, to engage and interact with you. Uh, But with all of that aside, um, today we have a great uh, friend and guest here with us. Um, He leads a podcast called Keys to the Shop, uh, which if you are a business owner or uh, in the coffee space um, or in the retail space uh, or you just like cool podcasts, um, it's a great one to subscribe to. Um, So uh, make sure and do that right after you subscribe to our podcast. Uh, And uh, yeah, we're excited to have Chris with us today uh, just to talk a little bit. Um, So thanks for being here, Chris. Yeah, thanks for having me, Alec. I'm honored that you asked me to be on the show. Yeah, sure. We're we're always excited to collaborate with with other guys out there, and it's always exciting too to collaborate with other podcast uh, podcast people. I don't even know what you would call that podcast airs. <laughs> pod, I don't yeah. know the official term. Uh, yeah, that, we have to invent one. I'm, I think I'll, I'll make I'll make some notes as we're talking. Yeah, it's got to be more <laughs> epic than podcaster. I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Um, so we always like to ask our guests uh, what coffee uh, you got. You guys have been enjoying lately. So let us know that. Well, well um, I am always a fan of a good Papua New Guinea, and um, I pull about thirty hours a week on bar. Just add some barista at Quills here in Louisville locally, and um, I've been enjoying the Papua New Guinea. Namugo. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right. Probably <laughs> not, but um, I, I always enjoy sort of a, a nicer uh, earthy coffee that also mm. has a lot of that stone fruit. And for this one, it has a lot of plum aroma and um, it's grounded enough for it to feel substantial and not super light. And for this time of year, even though it's 92 right now outside, yeah, right. I, I feel like that's a whole nother story. It's so awful. Um, <laughs> it, it's a good coffee for me at this time of year. Yeah. So I'm enjoying that. Sure. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I agree. I think we have another coffee. It's a Kenyan that has some uh, plum and, and red wine notes in it. And it just, the, I mean, if the weather was right, it would make sense. But, uh, you know, that was the idea when we started to, uh, to source it for October, November was, you know, the perfect timing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so much for that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 
So if anybody else is listening and it does feel like fall, uh, make sure and, and pick up some of those coffees because uh, you will especially enjoy them. Um, yeah, so share with the Obviously, you let us know um, from the Louisville area. We actually, uh, on a previous episode, had the guys at Prima Coffee uh, oh, yeah. on, uh, on here. So um, giving some extra Louisville love right now, which is great. Um, but yeah, uh, share with us a little bit of your coffee journey. Uh, you know, where you maybe sort of started in coffee as well as, uh, what, what got you into, uh, the technical side of, you know, wanting to host a, a show and, and what that looks like. Well, um, I'll, I'll try to keep it short, but, uh, hit all the main points. I am originally from upstate New York in Syracuse, New York. And so I've been in Louisville for, uh, for five years now, mm-hmm. um, just about five years. And so I, um, what got me started in coffee a long, long time ago, I was, it was probably 90, it was 97, 1997. I was a part of a, a ministry school out in Northwest Arkansas in the Fayetteville Springdale area. And, um, after that was over, it was only a, a year long program and I, I really didn't have much to do with my time and didn't have much direction. Um, I was a frequenter of coffee shops around the area and just fell in love with just attending, attending, Mm -hmm. but being a customer at a coffee shop. And I found that I could taste the differences between the different air pots. And, (laughs) you know, I I just go there to read and journal, et cetera. Um, Without much of a direction in in life at the time, I I figured I need to make a decision about what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. I guess at that point in your life, you think you have to have it all figured out. Um, I was spinning my wheels and then I, I don't know, for some reason I just, it hit me. I like coffee. I'm going to do coffee for, you know, whatever it takes me in the future. I didn't really have any second thoughts. I just wanted to do coffee and I started going down the rabbit hole very, very deep. Um, (laughs) I, and at the time deep for me was, just brewing what I could. I was, um, I set up, um, a subscription to green mountain coffee catalog that I loved. Um, and I was just learning all about origins. I was a member of CoffeeGeek.com and coffeed (laughs) the forum coffeed, uh, used to be a kind of a thriving community and a lot of forums back then in the, uh, 2000, like year 2000 times time span. So, um, I just went down that rabbit hole and I, I found specialty coffee early on, which was great because it could have gone the other way, um, especially with my Green Mountain subscription. Um, I found this place in Tulsa, Oklahoma called Nordagios that was using um, Cafe Vida coffee, which at the time was, you know, just getting started in the Pacific Northwest in, in Seattle. I had a macchiato at that place and it had a little bit of latte art on it it was sweet it was deep and complex and i had no idea what i was drinking and i had no idea coffee could taste like that this is a classic scenario and i ordered about two or three more at that visit and Mm -hmm. every week then i would on saturdays drive two hours one way just to buy five macchiatos um and stay for hours at this store because I wanted to internalize that experience. I wanted that to be what guided me on my coffee journey. And it did. I, you know, long story short, I, I got lots of different coffee jobs in different coffee shops and I was fired from my first coffee job in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. 
I was not a great barista. I was passionate, <laughs> but I, I always say I probably would have fired myself too. But um, from there, I, I moved back to New York, got more of these mom and pop coffee shop jobs. And I hit my break at uh, Gimme Coffee in Ithaca, not too far from Syracuse. And um, it, it was at that point I, I had sort of tapped into the vein of specialty coffee professionally. And I started pursuing competitions like latte art. I got some early wins with that in 2004, which led to being a uh, guest on a DVD of latte art through Bellissimo <laughs> uh, called Extreme Barista, where we, we poured latte art in slow motion. It was really crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and it still exists. You can still buy it. I don't Love you it. know. I, I say go buy it. It's fun, but I wouldn't say that it's like the professional tool that you think it might be. Um, yeah, right. But it's it's still a good time capsule. So anyway, um, I got involved in competitions beyond latte art, and uh, that meant you know pursuing U.S. barista championships. I was able to get fourth place in the U.S. in 2007. Uh, I got married and then kind of fell off of that <laughs> professional mm-hmm. track because you you know. You can't really devote all of your time to coffee when you've got uh, someone who wants to share their life with you. You know, it's kind of a raw deal if you just say, well, actually, I'm married to coffee. So (laughs) (laughs) I I started just um, I started a coffee school in uh, Indiana that quickly went out of business and uh, moved back to New York. Some more coffee shop jobs from there. And uh, ended up in Kentucky following um, an opportunity to become a general manager or operations manager for Sunnergaus Coffee. Um, And that was my most recent uh, manager job. All throughout this time, um, this is 20 years of coffee experience I'm trying to like distill. But Mm. all throughout this time, I found myself in the midst of small and growing companies. So companies that were established brands in their location, but they were also on the verge of, of expanding. And I got to be there and contribute significantly to different systems that helped with expansion, actual expansion, training, management, um, things like that. And, and so that really has been my focus for the last 20 years has been the retail coffee side of things. I've never learned to roast coffee. Um, I certainly know a lot about roasting coffee, even though I've never done it myself. You, you pick up stuff over time. But I just love the the shop itself as a dynamic link in the chain of, of value in coffee. And um, that's what drove me to start Keys to the Shop. All of that okay. to kind of come yeah. around to yeah. why Keys to the Shop. So... Um, I'm sorry, I'm kind of rambling here, but no, no, I, that's great. Yeah, I, I think what I wanted to do with Keys to the Shop was what other professional podcasts that were general, like co- uh, podcasts called Coaching for Leaders, for example. My, mm-hmm. my friend, now friend, Dave Stahoviak, who's the guest uh, host of that show, um, he I listen to his show all the time. And it was concise. It was to the point. It was directed to people in a professional setting, and it wanted to deliver high impact, um, like actionable insights to help people in their careers. And at mm. the time, there wasn't any podcast in coffee that did that. Um, yeah. 
And in that's not to say there weren't any great coffee podcasts. Of course, Cat and Cloud was around back then, and mm-hmm. they're a great coffee podcast. Uh, they're a lot more conversational, but they've actually gotten a lot more professional development focused yeah. as of late, uh, which is great. Um, the the crew of like coffee podcasters out there, you know, you've got yourself on Coffee Unleashed, um, Map It Forward. Uh, you've got um, well, for a while you had Opposite Extract. And um, then Cat and Cloud and Boss Barista, that wasn't around necessarily back then. Um, Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it was trying to fill a niche, which was, hey, if you're a coffee professional in a retail setting, whether you're a manager or a barista, Mm -hmm. the owner, let's talk about what it takes to have a great career in that space do well for yourself and others and have a thriving business. And that's how Keys to the Shop came to be, kind mm-hmm. of mixing interviews with experts from inside the coffee industry and outside the coffee industry, like topic experts, and some you know solo episodes from my own experiences um, uh, included in that mix. And so it's about 240 episodes now. Yeah. Um, I think the count is, and mm-hmm. it's been it's been really interesting to keep that streak going yeah right. <laughs> but it's been a, a great ride yeah 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 and i think that uh you know i don't know i feel like um obviously the podcast world has grown i think um it's grown because of the continued lack of dependence on radio show maybe the the idea that we we like the idea of you know spoken word voice uh type of stuff but we don't want to necessarily have to tune in at specific times i would imagine mm-hmm. um you know to hear your your favorite uh series you know on the radio maybe you're working during that time or maybe you're not in the car or, or whatever um and uh so i feel like that that upswing with podcasts, obviously, and then the ability to be highly curated uh, at a topical level, you know, where, you know, you're not skipping between radio stations that have multiple different ideas, but maybe, you know, you're subscribing to 10 different series that, um, you know, focus on, on multiple different topics for different moods in your life. And, um, and then I, I definitely feel, I mean, this is really what launched it for us was, um, was this idea that, that podcasting really isn't that there's not a, a large threshold of entry, I guess, you know, we're recording on a, on a decent mic and obviously editing it a little bit, but, you know, realistically, you know, you could potentially record with, with the, um, voice memo app and the, you know, um, headphones that come with your iPhone and, and then, you know, log on to a, a podcast hosting platform, drop those episodes in and have your own podcast up and going, you know, it's mm-hmm. not obviously going to, going to sound as, as maybe as polished or, or professional at that level, but you know, the barrier of entry is, isn't as steep as maybe it used to be. Uh, with obviously the quality of device that everybody carries in their pocket. Um, so I think that that's obviously been been great. Obviously, there's an oversaturation a little bit too, but um, it's definitely, I know, helped us um, to, um, you know, grow what we're trying to do as well um, because, you know, it's not as steep of a thing. And, um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's... 
Um, I feel like it always feels extra cool to be asked to be on a podcast. I don't know. Um, I don't, I don't really know why, but it's always a fun, uh, a fun Avenue. Maybe it's, maybe it's a little bit synonymous with, uh, you know, calling into a radio show and getting featured on the radio, uh, or something, but, um, or just the conversational nature of it or, or something like that. But, um, yeah, Mm -hmm. I, I still am always excited when I have the shot to, uh, to do that. Yeah. I, I think that behind that is the idea that somebody, is recognizing that you have something of value to share with the audience you have developed for your show. And for most of us, we work in our day-to-day jobs Mm -hmm. relatively um, isolated. And, Mm -hmm. And so to be featured is is to have some sense of validation for what yeah. you do. And you'd be surprised, even the most, in my experience, the most um, high up there people that seem inaccessible, and I've talked about this on the show too, uh, they, they are willing to share. They're very willing to talk about their careers and oh, yeah. give advice because hardly anybody asks them. And somewhat, some of that mm-hmm. is because they just aren't around the, yeah. the people that need that information the most. And that's how, you know, podcasts provide that. It's similar to coffee shops, actually, um, mm. where, where everybody wants community. Yep. And, and that's why social media exists. But when you put up a coffee shop, actual community can happen and people just mm-hmm. gravitate towards it. Yeah. Like they were always wanting it and somebody finally did it. And, yeah. and then when you start a show, it's like, putting, you know, hanging your shingle like a, like a business person does out front. Mm -hmm. And then everyone's like, Oh, finally, yeah, um, right. Here's a community that's, you know, thinking about the same thing I am. I'm not crazy for thinking about, you know, wanting to have more of this or that. And so that's what I, that's how I've perceived it at least. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, um, that's, uh, that's, what's always been great with us. And, you know, we've had, uh, like I said, it's always an honor to be able to be, you know, a part of uh, some of the other things. We've had the shot to work with Cold Brew Chick before and Filter Stories. Mm-hmm. Um, still um, still running after Cat and Cloud. Uh, but uh, one of these days we'll do a collab together. So if they are subscribing, which they probably aren't, uh, give a <laughs> shout out. But um yeah, just the and and I always look at it, um, and I and I learned this a long time ago, but um, I, I always I always felt like if someone's made an impact on my life, no matter how big or or you know big of a deal they are or or small, um, just let them know that they've made an impact um, because obviously you know. For us, and I've said it before, the the guys at Cat and Cloud, the guys at Onyx, the you know some of those larger brands that I've followed, and ha- I've had the shot to to uh, you know be acquaintances or 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 barely meet them, I guess. Um, but I, I definitely made a point to uh, when I did have a few minutes to say something to them, just to let them know that what they're doing matters, and you know they may not necessarily remember me saying that or whatever, but, uh, I always feel like it's important if someone makes an impact in your life to let them know, uh, that they did, because, you know, like you said, 
uh, they've got their head down. Uh, and especially when it comes to a podcast or maybe other form of, uh, you know, uh, content or something, you know, you don't always necessarily know, well, one, you never really know the human impact behind it unless someone says something. Uh, but you never really know, like, is it doing anything for anybody, you know, or, uh, it's definitely one of the more lonely, um, lonely things, uh, even though you're speaking to potentially a large audience of people, uh, it's still one way communication. You know, you're, you're, you're not in a live phone call when you throw a YouTube video up of, you know, you talking to your audience, but you're making an impact with them. Um, so I always felt like it's definitely important, no matter how big or small that individual is, um, to let them know that they've made an impact and, and, you know, that can help them continue to move forward. And, you know, maybe they were second guessing, you know, whether they wanted to keep the ball moving, uh, and you know, your, your story helped them out. Um, I know that I don't at all think I'm, you know, our, our company is a, is a big deal, but it's always an honor to me when I hear, uh, people say, Hey, I've been listening or, Hey, you know, your Instagram really inspired me or this blog post really helped me out or, you know, that means the world to us um, because, you know, that's the reason why we do it. So I'm sure that um, that when people run into you and share the impact that your your show has done, it's it's uh, it's definitely helped. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's it's very um, somebody actually was just in the shop telling me that uh, they, they were talking to me and they didn't realize that I was the host of the show. Um, and obviously it wasn't a part of the conversation. So why, why bring something like that up? You know, um, if they were just a visiting barista from a different city and they're visiting a coworker of mine and we were talking and talking and, uh, it came up that I had a podcast, found out which podcast it was. And it was just this, whoa, like that, that, Mm -hmm. so that, that show has gotten me through some, you know, very, you know, like some hard times in my career. And it was, for me, hearing that was a very huge mix of emotions because at first yeah. it's like I don't want to be the person to, you know, be praised for oh, a yeah, lot of yeah. you know, different things like that, you know. But uh, but the primary emotion if I felt was like fear. <laughs> fear and yeah. pre- no, well, not even yeah. pressure, like bad pressure, but the kind of pressure, like you're a father, you know, like yeah, you yeah. don't, you feel fear, but it's the mm-hmm. kind of fear that says I am responsible for something yep. that goes so far beyond yep. myself. Mm-hmm. I have got to have those moments where somebody says something like that so that I realize it's, it's not just me yep. breathing my own oxygen in yep. here yep. behind my, my kids play mats as acoustic tiles, you know, like, <laughs> it's global and and you know that um you're closing in on 50 episodes and i'm gonna guess that you know so far there's a unbelievable global reach of your podcast Mm -hmm. it's just the way it is and yeah that's the day and age we live we and we are so our words have impact and and in our relationships um like you're saying I think it's important, especially as, as we tend to idolize people that yep. do things, we say, uh, if they've created something, if, if they built something, then they should be lauded for that. And mm-hmm. and I think that's probably true in some ways, but the ordinary 
um, person that you work with, if you're not focused on them and, and, mm-hmm. and the contribution they're making to the world, you're going to reserve all of your praise for yep. people who are in the limelight. Yep. And that's just going to, it's like a wealth transfer from the poor to the rich. You know, yeah, like right. we don't like to see the eroding middle class of affirmation. <laughs> that's what that yep. is. And so um, as much as we can use our platforms to encourage people to encourage others in the microcosm of, of their little audience, their mm-hmm. you know, sphere of friends, I think yep. that's a responsible way to go about it. Yeah, and I think that, you know, um, we have to have that continued perspective that, that you know, no matter what, obviously, co- the coffee world is is a obviously very in-depth subculture, but it is a subculture. I mean, the, the people, quote unquote, that we feel like are a big deal in the coffee space, you know, can walk down the road and, and not, you know, be approached, uh, is we're not <laughs> talking about, uh, major athletes. We're not talking about, uh, most of the time, super high end CEOs or anything like that. Um, uh, there's still guys that, that a normal, uh, individual wouldn't, wouldn't point out in the crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, we have some people, uh, who come into the cafe that are pretty influential, um, in their spheres of influence. And so some of the customer, you know, some people sort of ooh and ah over them. And, um, it's, it's always been a really cool perspective to have to just be like, uh, yeah, that that's so-and-so they're just, um, you know, they're cool. You know, they're just normal guys and guys and girls. And like, um, they, yeah, they, they have this big following or yeah, they, you know, did, have done a lot of great things and whatnot, but they're just like everybody else. And, um, and I think that human nature obviously will continue to develop that community and, um, you know, uh, the lack of being starstruck is, is, uh, is always, uh, an important thing. And, um, yeah, I think just, uh, continually, continually reiterating to those people that mean something to you again, no, how, no matter how big or small, um, will have a bigger impact and, you know, they're human too. And, you know, they need that encouragement just like we do. And, um, and that's where I go all the way back to, you know, the podcast in general and starting that thing is, um, you never really know, and whether it's a podcast or a blog or just an Instagram or, or Facebook or something, um, if you have encouraging words to share or, or value to bring, you never know who's going to value from that um, and, uh, and who you're going to impact. Um, so I always encourage people just to go for it, you know, and uh, you're going to most likely be better off than you were when you started it. Uh, if not, at least the same, you know. Uh, yeah you're not going to be worse off because you started a podcast, um, you know, most of the time, at least equal to what you were. So, um, always that encouragement to do that. And, and, you know, it, for us, it helps us have the ability to, to break down some barriers, you know, break down some barriers with, with people like you that, um, you know, maybe there is some distance and, you know, we don't get to run into each other as much or, um, or some other people that we've met, uh, we have the opportunity to, to have that open door conversation, which is awesome, uh, with people that we would otherwise uh, not have the shot to chat with. So, um, that's always what's fun to me and, you know, have fun with each other and, and be able to chat a little bit about that. So. 
right on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so as far as, uh, obviously you chatted a little bit about keys to the shop and then why, you know, why podcasting we we've dove into that a little bit. Um, but as far as in the business space, um, you know, what things, uh, maybe you're hearing from listeners or things like that are, 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 are sort of things that, uh, you hope to tackle on yours in the future, or, uh, maybe things you, uh, you feel like the business community is wrestling with right now. Um, something like that. Yeah. So I think first of all, um, the focus of the show originally was very much, it was a wide focus, Mm -hmm. um, on retail coffee. And, and to some degree it still is. I like to have a variety of different topics presented. Um, but I've embraced what a lot of people have told me in person and through survey, uh, that the show is mostly a, leadership focused show mm-hmm. and I'm okay with that. And I wasn't at first, but I'm, I'm okay with that now because mm-hmm. I think pretty much anyone who's a barista longer than two years eventually is going to become a leader in some mm-hmm. way as a yep. trainer or a, a manager, et cetera. So, um, that you're, you're still talking about the same audience and it's not really alienating mm-hmm. anybody. If it's, if it's even just talking about leading yourself well or managing up to help your boss manage mm-hmm. you and, and things like that, those are very important topics. Um, and I, th- I say that because what I see as a result of interviewing people and also, uh, cause I do consulting and training for, uh, coffee shops and companies mm-hmm. as well through, talking with them and and different clients, I, some of the biggest things that are, are needing to be tackled in coffee right now have to do with managing people Mm -hmm. and how you can show up as a good leader for the people who work for you. Most of the times you have a bad experience in a coffee shop, it's because of, uh, the leadership's lack of forethought in systems and people, um, we're, we're ripe with quality, um, tools. We've got refractometers, we've got plenty of podcasts and websites and, uh, barista hustle, et cetera. Right. We know how to make good coffee, but Mm -hmm. we don't know how to make good businesses that make coffee. Mm -hmm. And this is something Cosmo, uh, Lombardo, who is, a He's head of law. Uh, I'm going to mess up this name. Uh, Criminali, Simbali. Uh, and he used to be with Toby's estate. And uh, now he is. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to look that up because it, it was it was right on the tip of my tongue. But anyway, oh, yeah, he was on the show and talking about how he was a uh, he's seeing the same thing where people don't know how to run a good business. Yep. Um, Colin Harmon's book, uh, what I know about running coffee shops, it tackles that same thing. That's why it was such a big hit because most yep. people are trying to start these businesses, but they, they are what author Michael Gerber of the E-Myth revisited, which is a great book. Every entrepreneur should read. He calls their, um, technicians, uh, suffering from an entrepreneurial seizure. Mm-hmm. They think they're really good at something or they want a competition and therefore they should have a business yep. that yep. focuses on that thing. And, you, you see it at Coffee Fest. I've been going to Coffee Fest. It's like over 40 Coffee Fests for me um, this year. And so you see people at the stages where they're starting their coffee shops and they are just wide eyed. Uh, yeah. Heads are way open to pretty much any idea that's going to bring yeah. certainty 
to an otherwise uncertain journey for them. It yeah. could be their pension that they're spending. They mortgage their house, God forbid. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of stuff that happens to get to that dream of opening a coffee shop. And it turns to a nightmare when you realize that it really isn't as much about the coffee as you thought it was. <laughs> and, and you know that, you know, yeah. like, and, and you probably, you knew that before you started though, too. Um, but a lot of people haven't been in the industry long enough to yep. figure that part out. And so it comes as a shock. So, yeah, I think what really plagues coffee right now to me is how much effectiveness we're leaving on the table mm. just by sheer, um, either willful, but probably just, um, uh, not willful, but accidental ignorance about what's missing in your relationships, what's yep. missing in your systems that help support relationships. And that's between customers and baristas, baristas, managers, managers, owners, yep. all of that. And, uh, and, you know, <laughs> I hear you agreeing. Oh, yeah. It's, it's just so important. And I don't, I don't think we can talk about it enough, honestly. Yeah. And, and I mean, I just think back even to the conversation, you know, we have four, four great partners and co-owners that, that, that helped to, to, uh, make ICR happen. And, um, I don't remember the last time that I talked to any of the owners about, um, at what level are one of our employees is at from a coffee perspective. Um, we always talk about, uh, where are they at professionally? Where are they at mentally? Where are they at? You know, um, are they getting burnt out? Are they being resource level properly? Are they, you know, how's their family life going? Like, you know, that's what we talk about. Um, you know, I assume that they're continuing to go grow through practice and, and things like that, uh, from a coffee perspective. And obviously we give them tools and things to do that. But, you know, the bulk majority of, of my, my work is, is leading individuals, not, um, you know, that's all four, four of the owners, um, bulk majority of our work is leading people, not, um, and working with people, not, uh, making coffee, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't know, obviously we work in the wholesale space as well. So, uh, you know, I have the opportunity to meet with a lot of, uh, prospective, uh, coffee shop owners or potential owners. And, um, and I always let them know, you know, they're always like, well, I've always had the dream of opening a coffee shop. And, um, and I always say, well, dreams are great, uh, but dreams are dreams. Um, and, uh, if you want to make them a reality, you have to understand the realities that come with it. That, um, you know, if you love making coffee, uh, if you love what it means to be at a coffee shop, um, then come and work at our coffee shop, <laughs> you know, uh, mm-hmm. because you can clock in and, and make coffee and interact with customers and, and have that coffee shop experience. Um, but you don't have to manage, you know, inventory, you don't have to manage personalities. You don't have to manage, um, you know, ordering supplies, uh, what to do when someone takes off, what to do when someone's sick, what, you know, what to do when you have to fire somebody, you know, that's what you do when you own a business. Um, and if you're not passionate about all of that, um, then, you know, you'll see what happens with a lot of businesses in the area is, you know, they not in, necessarily in our area, but just in business in general that, um, you know, they go by the wayside, uh, because, mm-hmm. or, or the owners just get burnt out. Um, 
because they're like, this isn't what I wanted to get into. You know, I just, I wanted to get into the coffee space and, you know, I love coffee shops. Um, but you know, there's a lot right. more into it than that. Um, if you don't love business, then don't open a business. That's what I, you know, I've always said. Um, but if, you know, you want to build something and obviously there's, you know, for us, we, we wanted to build a coffee space because we did believe in community and we did, you know, believe in, in, in creating that space and environment here. But that's not, you know, we're trying to build something for our staff's future. We're trying to build something for our family's future, a sustainable growth opportunity and, you know, financial, uh, sustainability for everybody that works for us. And, um, you know, uh, that's what we're thinking about. Um, uh, you know, that that's a lot bigger than just, you know, making coffee. Yeah, it's all stuff that you can be passionate about. Um, and I think when people hear you say that, it's going to seem like, well, you know, do I have to be as passionate about that as I do coffee? And I don't think it's necessarily that you have to create the equivalent uh, drive and excitement and butterflies in your, you know, like yeah. about oh, yeah. Spreadsheets and firing people. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's unpleasant things that you've got to do. But I guess the point is that if you see what is below the surface of of the best coffee experience that you've ever had, and you can really strengthen the connection between the um, somewhat monotonous stuff and the amazing impact of the final product, the tip of the iceberg experience Mm -hmm. that the barista handing a drink to a customer has, then you're more likely to be able to, you know, sustain it for the long haul. Um, And that requires you to sort of connect. Why is it important that you hire well? Why is it important that you also fire well? Um, why is it important that you have one-on-ones with your staff and mm. create a safe environment for feedback and, and and have accountability with you know your manager group or between mm. yourself and other owners in the same city as you? There's mm-hmm. lots of different things that you think I'm fine. I just need. It's hard to find good help, is what a lot of people <laughs> say. It's it's always somebody else's fault. Oh yeah. It's, and that's primarily what I end up having to tell a lot of people is, man, you know, uh, as much as there's probably a, a three-step series that we could do on how oh, yeah. to pull you out of this rut, you could do. We could do that and. Oftentimes that's part of the solution, but mm-hmm. it's not sustainable because the same same issue, which is yourself, is still there. Oh yeah, and it's going to pull things back down unless it, you, mm-hmm. change. Yep. And it, it so goes the company. And this oh, happens yeah. when you look at you know what's happened at Slate Coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, you know Slate Coffee, for example. I'm not, and I'll get too far down that yep. road, but. I had Chelsea Walker Watson on the show as a founder Friday years ago, a couple of years ago, and she was the lifeblood of that cafe. And she is amazing. And she left that company for her own health um, or just to move on to something more, you know, uh, life giving, you know. Um, But she was not a part of what happened. Apparently, you know, Mm -hmm. the, the spirit of the individuals who lead the company 
creates the spirit of the company. Mm -hmm. And without that spirit there, you can see what it devolves into. Oh, yeah. This walkout and the toxic culture, et cetera. Yep. That was not a part of it when it was first started. Yep. And, and so nobody's immune to that. Mm -hmm. We're all human beings. We all, yep. we're, we're all fallible. We shouldn't pretend to be perfect. Because uh, when we do, that's when we invite toxicity to ruin yep. Yep. everything yep. that we're working for. Yeah, and I think that, you know, that that touches right on it. I think it's that heavy level of self-awareness. And, you know, um, I've been, I've been uh, you know, and I feel like as a leader and, you know, as someone that, you know, in our business, you know, we have four people that um, everybody definitely looks up to. Obviously, they have uh, managers and whatnot that they look up to as well, but, you know, uh, were looked at as, as the people sort of leading the ship. And, you know, I have to constantly think about how my words or how my actions or things like that are being perceived from, from the people that, that work, uh, you know, as a subordinate of mine or, or underneath me or with me, uh, because, uh, even little micro steps or maybe, you know, that response to that email or, uh, a slight micromanagement or something that, it does detrimental damage and, and maybe that individual doesn't necessarily know that it's, that it's doing damage, but it's just building something up that, you know, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to build. And, and obviously I never think that, you know, it's, uh, ear or not fixable, you know, it's never, um, so far gone. Um, because if you're, if you're humble enough to sit down with the subordinate and say, Hey, I'm sorry for, you know, micromanaging you over the last however long or owning up to whatever it is and letting them know like, Hey, you know, I'm going to, these are the steps that I'm working on to improve that. Um, I think that that, that clarity helps them know, okay, you know, they are working on themselves and they do know when there's a problem and they are listening to me and, you know, they are understanding some of the nonverbal cues or, or, or something like that. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a heavily humbling experience, um, but it's essential uh, because, you know, uh, unless you're a one man band literally running a business on your own, with, which some people may be doing, um, you got other people that you got to, you know, be accountable to. And um, yeah, and I and I think, you know, I've been wrestling a lot with uh, obviously continually revisiting Simon Sinek's Start With The Why um, and I mean, that's, a in a, an elite book when it comes to business understanding and, um, continually just trying to think through that lens of, you know, why are we doing what we're doing? Not what do we do or how do we do it, but what's the why behind it? Um, uh, and, and keeping that at the front of our mind as well as, you know, once we've established that, um, you know, really looking at your day to day and thinking, what, uh, what things are essential for me to do to continue to move the ball forward and how can I equip the people around me to do what they do best? Because mm -hmm. I think the, and this is a huge issue in the coffee, uh, coffee slash retail food service, whatever you want to call it space. Uh, the owner wants to do it all. And, you know, um, they're not willing to delegate because it's their thing and, you know, they're, they're held accountable and, you know, it's, uh, it's their dream maybe. And, um, 
So they, they're on every email chain and they're, you know, they, they get every receipt that comes in and they, they're the only one with the credit card or they're the only person that does this and, you know, (laughs) everything comes through them. And, you know, I, uh, again, I feel like I've, I've shared this with tons of people over the last month and a half, but I read the the book essentialism and it just talked about, you know, the essential ideas and even in a tactical way, like don't include me on that email unless it's essential for me to be there. Don't, and don't invite me to that meeting. Uh, or I'm going to be rude and say, I'm not coming unless it's essential for me to be in there. Uh, because I know, especially as an owner of, of a small business, um, I'll just get sucked in, you know, I'll, I'll have an opinion about it. Uh, and sometimes that opinion is, um, you know, not positive for other people. So all it does is, is, uh, either breeds doubt in their mind or, or tears them down, uh, not intentionally, but that just, that's just how it happens sometimes. Um, so I, I think that, you know, you got to do that with people that you trust and say, you know, it's always like, almost like repeating the question back, like, Hey, do you want to be a part of this? I don't know. Do you want me to be a part of it? And, uh, and a lot of people would say yes, that in some ways that they think that that's what they want and, um, they want more, I guess there's a difference between present leadership that's responsible and necessary. Like you're talking about in that book, essentialism, um, versus being there just to be there because you are babysitting and you don't trust, like you said, you're tearing them down with your presence. Yep. And uh, yeah, so much of it is based on the idea that you want to be the creator and to get yep. the credit for it. Mm-hmm. And I think the message to a lot of owners should be that no matter what happens, you're really you're going to get the credit for it. Oh, I mean, yeah. it, yep. <laughs> you could and that that it's embarrassing sometimes uh-huh. for, you know, even if you're not an owner, you're just somebody who's uh, got authority in there. Yep. You're somebody who is highly visible and yep. now it's your responsibility to uplift your team. Yeah. Don't have the poverty mindset of saying, well, I need to get credit for all of this stuff. That's yep. going to come. It's going to come your way and sure. it's going to come your way in so much abundance that you're going to have yep. to give it away. Mm-hmm. And you should to the people who make it happen for you. Yeah. You really can't build a great business without other people. Uh-huh. Um, and if they're underperforming and you don't like what they're doing and, and you're, uh, you feel like you always need to be there, most likely it's because you're, um, you're smothering them. You're yep. suffocating and uh, you need to step out of the way and, and let them thrive. It's just oh, yeah. like aerating soil. Trees die because you yep. have large swaths of people that stand next to it, compact mm-hmm. the soil no water can get down to the soil, new nutrients, and then it dies. That's yep. just what happened. The largest tree in the world um, in, in uh, maybe it was like 20 years ago, but now, but um, it was in Oregon, I think, and it had a lot of tourism. It died in a, by, by being pushed over in a windstorm because of root death based yep. on compact soil. Yep. Same thing with your business, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to have slack. You've got to have airflow. You've got to have some kind of you can't have it all buttoned up like that. Um, yeah, you need systems, but, but you also need trust and you need relationships. And those things are, they're not like spreadsheets. They're not like oh, objects, no. 
right? They're much more loose and they need flex and, yep. and, and grace to be honest. Yeah. And it's just, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I know the more I've thought that way, the more I've felt less stress, less overwork, less, uh, maybe even pressure, uh, because I don't let myself be involved in every small little detail. Um, because that's where I feel like that owner burnout comes is, um, you feel like you've got to be involved in every small detail, but if I trust my crew and my team and, you know, our four owners, me personally, and, and, and all of that to do their job, um, which means I'm not micromanaging in any way, then I don't know about if the shop was opened at seven o'clock, you know, I assume that it is because our management team is great. And, um, you know, our baristas are awesome and they show up on time and, you know, so I don't have to roll in at seven in the morning because I know that they're going to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, but it's very easy. I, I say all of that, just all out of experience. It's very easy to feel like, you know, when, when fires happen or, or things go down, you got to be there to do it. And that, and that's obviously a control problem. You know, you want to be in control because you're, you can hold yourself accountable, but, um, we've only continued to get substantially better. The more that, uh, we let go of things, uh, our, our company's grown immensely because, uh, we have great individuals that are able to thrive, uh, and take it much further than we can. Um, and you know, that's why, you know, on a previous episode, we were able to highlight what we call top dog, which is our, um, employee that exemplifies our values the most that quarter. And, um, that's why, you know, we are, we're able to, uh, uh, to grow as a company. And, and, uh, that's what I, you know, always continually share to those, uh, those businesses that are looking, looking to open a, a cafe space or something like that is, you know, I'm not, I don't ever want to scare anybody away because it's definitely one of the most rewarding things I've ever done in my life. But, um, it's not just making coffee. Uh, it's a lot more than that. Uh, but you know, it can be a lot more rewarding than that. You know, it can be a lot more rewarding than, than just making a cup of coffee. Uh, although I do love doing that, uh, yeah. it, uh, uh, it's immensely more rewarding, um, to, uh, to work with amazing people and, uh, and, uh, be a part of their growth process and, and, and do all that. So, um, yeah, I think, I think that's definitely what, obviously that's what, um, we're seeing right now in the coffee space is, is we have baristas and managers that are, are hoping for that. You know, they're waiting for leaders, uh, to emerge and they're being let down by people that, um, aren't leading in that way. Um, but, uh, Obviously, you know, if you are a great leader and you are that, then, you know, step up to the to the reins and, and start doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you, you know, I, I thought about something else to add to this that I think is important that um, it, it's part of why coffee shops tend to have this um, stunt, I think, stunted culture and, mm-hmm. and growth is that um, we outsource uh, a lot of the professional development mm-hmm. and validation yep. of work to entities 
uh, not the shop, not your yep, shop, yep, right? You, yep. It's the SCA. It's yep. it's a latte art competition. It's a competition in general. Um, people want to be, you know, certified in a national by a national body. That's fine, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. oftentimes that's done as a surrogate, and yep. you know, it's done as as a way of saying like, okay, how do I add value to for my employees? I'm going to bring them to a competition. I understand that thought process, but that's sure. really not going to add that much value uh, it, to your brand and how they mm. associate with you as an owner. Yeah. What you've basically done is um, you've told them, we have nothing to offer you, but these people <laughs> do. Yep. And and so how, I, and I'm not saying that if you're, you're not fantastically resourced, obviously yep. there's a limit to how much you can do, yep. but looking to the pretty ordinary things in, in a day-to-day uh, relationship yeah. as ways to have satisfaction. Uh, 20 years into the industry, I'm happy to be consistent with my own values on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. If I can do that, I feel great. I don't care if I've won um, a, a barista competition because yeah. I could do something great in t- you know, 15 minutes. Um, I I just want to feel uh, you know the value of consistent hard work that's you know, consistent with my values. And if I'm a barista in a shop where I am always affirmed in what I'm doing, but held accountable for uh, things as well, poured into and given opportunities within that structure, I'm not going to just up and leave for another shop that gives Mm. me competition opportunity, which a lot of baristas do. Yep. They go to the places where they know, oh, they have an in-house competition. I want to be a barista competitor. I, I really think that's cool. I'm not saying that if you have baristas who think competition is cool, then you're failing. Yep. But you should look to the rise of coffee celebrities and mm-hmm. um, the these uh, competitions as they arise out of a need that's not partially out of a need that's not being met. in the coffee shop itself. And so what can you do? I mean, there's, (laughs) there's so many things, but, uh, I I mean, I think we've touched on a few of them, uh, just now, but, um, that's, I think that's one of our problems in the industry Mm -hmm. right now is that we have to have an idol. We have to have somebody who is a rock star always. Mm -hmm. And, or we want to be that rock star and that's how we know we're good. The best baristas in the world are the ones that will never be on my show. They'll never be on uh, the stage because they don't want to be because they're just working and they're, they love what they do. They love the people they serve, the people they work with and they're satisfied and they're the winners. They win, they win in my book. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, I mean, and I think that, you know, obviously it's great that, uh, especially barista run, uh, you know, collectives or things like that can come up because, you know, maybe the, the environments they're working for aren't, you know, creating a healthy community or aren't doing things like that. So, uh, mm-hmm. I'm all for, um, you know, those baristas out there, obviously I feel bad for them, uh, because I feel like the reasons that our baristas aren't necessarily, you know, running after those things is that they feel a sense of community and they feel a sense of value from our team. 
team and, you know, so they, they don't have to go out, uh, out of the cafe or out of their work environment to find that, um, you know, but I know that that's not always the reality for everybody. Um, so obviously I do feel like there's a place for that, but I agree with you in the way of saying that, you know, um, ultimately baristas are, uh, you know, it's, it's a job to do that. We're not, uh, we're not professional athletes that, um, you know, it's their job to compete, you know, uh, and, and obviously some baristas job, they don't work at a cafe, their job, they are really good at it. And their job is to go around to competitions and, and win them all. Um, uh, if that's your prerogative, then, then do that. Um, but, uh, you know, your, any of our team, their job is to build our community and build our business. Uh, that's why we bring them in and, and, uh, you know, obviously we're going to teach and grow them along the way from a coffee perspective. Um, but you know, if they want to come on board just to be able to compete, you know, we're not that environment for them. Um, because I'm paying you to grow our community and I'm paying you to grow our company and, um, you know, I was, I'm all supportive of, of you competing, but, uh, if that's a primary to the goal of, of growing, you know, our business and, and doing that, then I'm happy to teach you, uh, in my free time, but, um, not gonna, not gonna pay you to do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I think, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, one of the, sorry, uh, the, one of the things that it would be the best thing that could happen to retail coffee is in, in my opinion, and, you know, I've been in competitions before and mind you, I'm not like a world champion or anything like that, but world champions don't change the minds of your customers, mm. um, or, or your potential customers. Cause nobody knows. And in fact, the people who already know about specialty coffee, hardly any of them know the name yep. of the world yep. champion. And that's an amazing accomplishment. Uh, I had her on my show and others as well. I think there's a lot to learn there, but one of the greatest things that could happen is that the um, responsibility for creating value is taken at a local level and mm-hmm. reinvested. Instead of spending a lot of money to go to a competition, spend money on professional development mm-hmm. for your baristas in-house. Um, a growing, maybe not disillusionment, but um, a, a chilling of relationship with coffee stardom and barista competitions would probably do more for uh, the the retail sector than the you know any world champion or you know highlight on international news uh, mm-hmm. segments about barista competitions because that for for all of its great qualities I think is still an isolating thing oh yeah it's an exclusive thing mm-hmm. and we are going to always have it okay but um, I, I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs and there's a lot of coffee professionals who have even been down that road of competition who are now like, you know what, been there, done that. What really uh, is driving me right now is running this shop well, mm. having having my, my family provided for and other families that depend on this shop provided for yep. um, and, and developing community. If you just... I, I don't know. I, this wild idea, like what if one year there was a moratorium on competitions mm-hmm. and what would happen to yep. specialty coffee retail? I, I, you'd free up a lot of money. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you'd free up a lot of time and yeah. we could reinvest that. And I think you'd see the entirety of specialty coffee as a value stream of specialty coffee do better because when we do well on the shop level, we represent the work before us 
to a larger audience than just four judges at a table. Mm. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. I think, um, you know, there's a place, uh, an avenue for it, but again, it's, you know, community building in your own environment and community building where you can, uh, truly speak value is what, um, is what, uh, what will really help people at the human level, you know, will mm-hmm. help them day to day. And, um, and you know, if you have that resource, never, never hoard it, never, uh, never hold it tight. Um, you know, because it's our responsibility to continue to do that. And, uh, it's through obviously, uh, you know, shows like you guys that are, that are showing real problems and opportunities, uh, that need to be resolved. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, as we've always tried to share, we're, we're a wide open book to, you know, the struggles we've had and, and the, uh, things we've learned and, and all of that. So, um, more than open to, uh, helping and answering any questions that, that may be out there. Um, but yeah, um, I think we've, uh, we've, uh, hit even over the hour mark, which is uh, great. It's felt like 10 minutes. So, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, it, it's always awesome, uh, awesome to chat with you, uh, Chris and, and, uh, and obviously tackle some things that, that, uh, hopefully will be, uh, continually changed and, and, uh, and worked on, uh, at a, at a larger level. So, um, yeah, uh, always honored to, to be able to chat with you and, and have you on board. Well, thank you. It was great talking to you, Alec. I, I appreciate being on the show and, uh, for sure. I, uh, I love this, this discussion and I hope that it, it uh, brought some value to, to people and got some of them thinking maybe some more conversations will flow from this. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Well, uh, thanks again, uh, for jumping on board. Uh, everybody, uh, everybody who has stuck around, uh, or maybe even fast forwarded to this point. Um, we appreciate what you guys uh, do for us, uh, on, on both podcasts. Um, but speaking, uh, specifically for us here at, at Indie Coffee Roasters, uh, it's your continued support that really helps us grow and, uh, and get better. Um, and, uh, if you have uh, any questions specifically for us or maybe, uh, topics or a guest you'd like to hear from, uh, make sure and uh, either, uh, drop a review, um, or, uh, you can email us at hello at indiecoffeeroasters.com. Uh, we would love to get your feedback and, and learn how we can, uh, continue to provide you with some great, uh, great guests and content as we uh, get to episode, uh, 50. Um, and as always make sure and subscribe, uh, to the podcast so you can uh, stay up to date on the weekly episodes that we are posting. Um, a lot of exciting things, uh, coming along as we, uh, end, uh, 2019, uh, a lot of great guests as well. Um, so excited for that. Uh, you can subscribe on Apple podcast app, Google play or Spotify, uh, as well as, uh, follow us along on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for all the things, uh, most recent and up to date, uh, for indie coffee roasters. Uh, and if you are local to the Indianapolis area, make sure and come by our cafe. Uh, we would love to meet you, uh, and say hi and mention that you, uh, are a listener. We always love to hear that. Uh, thanks again, Chris, for being here. We really appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and again, I will, uh, I will link, uh, the keys to the shop, uh, down in the show notes as well, as well as Chris's information. So you guys can uh, subscribe there as well. Uh, thanks again, guys for listening and remember to always enjoy your coffee unleashed.